Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It is great to be back with you in 2016. David, thanks for having me back for another year of the America's of the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. Well, it's always a pleasure. I'm looking for a good 2016, some changes here and there. Um, with with the immigration thing, what do you think of, and it is sort of with immigration, what do you think of the release of all these prisoners from uh, Gitmo? What release of prisoners from Gitmo? I mean, over the last 20 years we've had them there, it seems like. No, I mean, Obama keeps releasing them. The terrorists. That well, he's sending he's sending them back to the countries they're from, right? He hasn't just released people and said, "Hey, good luck to you. Have a nice life." Well, no, he sent them back to uh, different to countries, countries, right? Yeah. Well, some, I mean, some the reality are, is, uh, uh, and and I think it's thirty some odd percent have returned to there, the battlefield. There has never been a war in American history where we have retained prisoners indefinitely, has there? Maybe this should be the first. Oh, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> do it at all. You know, maybe we should let countries deal with their own problems with their own citizens. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean, Guantanamo is the worst thing to American, happen to American foreign policy in our lifetimes. It, it's a recruiting tool for, for, for a terrorist. Hmm. The reality is you want to have black sites, have black sites. But to keep people in a place like that indefinitely, without conviction, they don't convict any of these guys of anything. Okay? They're all suspicious of being terrorists. Many of them probably are terrorists. Either convict them or send them back to their home country, let them do with them with, the, with what they please. I mean, some of these countries are going back to, you know, I, I don't suspect they'll live very long when they go back. Uh, in other countries... Know. They've been heroes, made heroes. Well, in some countries, not, not very many, but in some countries for sure. Uh, but, I mean, I think we should close it. I think it's a terrible foreign policy problem, and uh, some, somebody's going to close it eventually, David. You know, it's, whether it's Obama or whether it's uh, Trump or whether it's uh, Hillary or Sanders... Somebody's going to close that thing. Do you think we should give up uh, Guantanamo as a as a port? No, uh, our, we, we have we have leased. Uh, we made a deal with the Cuban government. They didn't, they got the short end of that stick. But uh, I'm talking about Guantanamo has been an effective military base for the U.S. for over gosh over 100 years at this point. No, we don't have to give that. I'm not. I'm talking about the prison that is the very small part of Guantanamo. The very small part. Uh, it does us no good. It does us no good. I mean, I just don't see it. Uh, Obama, of course, that's a failed campaign promise, by the way, because he promised he would close that in his first year's office right after he got done with immigration reform. Uh, but, David, this is the immigration hour, not the Guantanamo Bay hour. And I know we haven't been around for a few weeks. I have. Uh, I took Christmas off, and uh, the uh, we didn't do a show that week. And then the next week, uh, my wife and I decided to go to South Africa. Now, David, our timing to go to South Africa was excellent for, for Americans, because their their monetary system collapsed about a month before we got there. <laughs> and so everything was basically 25% off. And now it's even collapsed since we were there 10 days ago. It's gone down. It was 13 rand to a dollar when we got there. It's now almost 18 rand to a dollar. It was When we booked our tickets, it was like 6 rand to the dollar. I mean, it was it's a crazy thing what's going on in South Africa right now. Again, bad political leadership that is causing that. When you fire your good finance minister because you don't like the good things he's doing, not the rest of the world probably doesn't act very, very react very well uh, to that. But David, while I've been gone and while this has been happening, there have been immigration issue after immigration issue after immigration issue. But I cannot not start today without talking about Senator Ted Cruz and the issue of whether or not David, whether or not what. 
Ted Cruz is a U.S. citizen. Natural born. Natural born U.S. citizen. Well, I have. I'm not even convinced he's a U.S. citizen, David. Is it what? But his mom was a citizen. Certainly, when she was born, she was a U.S. citizen because she was born in Delaware. Now, here's my question, David. And this is we see this all the time. Trump. Trump starts this. this is what it's, you know, I don't feel bad for Cruz at all because Cruz hopped on the Obama birther bandwagon. Oh yeah, as if he was immune from this issue. It's just hilarious. And now to watch John McCain, John McCain of all people. So I, I, I don't really. I'm not. A, I'm not a lawyer. But it seems to me it's certainly an issue you can bring up. I. He hates Ted Cruz. I mean, he really, really hates Ted Cruz. What do you call him? A wackadoodle? Uh, not that long ago. Uh, so I have Ted Cruz bring that up. Now we could, of course, redo our shows, and I would invite all our listeners to dig through our archives here in America's Liberty. What, two, uh, two years ago, three years ago, we had uh, our, our we had two shows back to back. One was with an individual who uh, believed that the birther movement was uh, nuts. And we had a really good show with him. And then we had the following week, we had the guys who uh, who are what probably we would call, David, are they the experts on what a natural-born citizen is? Uh-huh. I mean, certainly they've dedicated, seem to have dedicated their life to the issue. Now, here's what's interesting. There is lots of law out there about this, David, that is not really law. Uh, under the Bush administration, a couple of White House lawyers wrote a memo about this. But, of course, that's not law. Um, there been no well, not in that in the in the Obama administration, it might be. Well, even in the Obama administration, it's, it's they're Bush lawyers, not they were Bush lawyers, not Obama lawyers. Uh, there have been no certainly no Supreme Court cases on this issue. I don't know of any district court or circuit court cases either on the issue of natural born citizen. Uh, and I mean, I understand where the guys are coming from who say, "Hey, what is a natural born citizen?" And in the terms as used in the Constitution, you cannot use the meaning of the words today for that. You've got to be, what did the, what did the founders believe? Well, the founders clearly, uh, written, writing in what, 1787, David, when they wrote the Constitution, ratified by 1789, what was a citizen at that point? I mean, that's, what, that's really the question. They could have just said, the President of the United States must be a citizen. But they didn't say that. They knew what a citizen was. Natural born. But they so they, they put this pre the, the, these modifiers, uh, adjectives, right? Adjectives in front of citizen, a natural born citizen. So that those words must have had meaning for them. So if you are a strict constitutional constructionist, as is who was the senator that's a real strict what is his name again? Oh, Ted Cruz. Uh, so if you're a strict constitutional constructionist, and we must go by the original meaning of the Constitution, it would behoove somebody like Ted Cruz to say, okay, what did they mean when they said this? What was a natural-born citizen in 1787? Uh, that's a great question, David. Do you know the answer to that question? Well... I think there's more than just an answer to the question, and that if you look at it, what were they concerned about when they were writing the Constitution? And they said, with the exception of the first president. Right. Because he probably couldn't be a natural-born citizen if he was over 12 years old or whatever. But anyway, um, their concern was that the 
president of the United States should have allegiance to only the United States. States of America. And okay. if he were natural born in the United States by American parents, then that uh, he would become a, a, uh, automatically become a natural born citizen. If he was, they didn't want someone born in England primarily okay. to be able to be president of the United States and, and conceivably or possibly have either joint or allegiance to something besides the United States. So that was the reason for their... Okay, but, but they used specific words, though. Yeah. So that was their intent. So why did they use the words natural born to modify citizen? That's what really, it to, 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 to define what uh, it wasn't just, you well, could be a citizen. They didn't by expect that in 1787, after the first president was done being president, which there was no term limits, of course, they didn't know how long the president would be president, that we would quickly enough have somebody who was 40 years old, 30, what was it, 35 years old. That wasn't going to happen. So clearly, it wasn't just. Having somebody uh, who was going to be born in inside physically the U.S. Um, because that might not happen in 1787, right? right? Right, exactly. All right, so you know, you know, Washington was president from 1789 to uh, 1798. He was president for eight years, two terms. Uh, second president is who? John Adams. John Adams, of course, born in born in Boston. Uh, um, was he a natural born citizen? Well, his parents were born in the United States. Uh, what was what became the United States? So you have to look at what these words. They they did not use a single word frivolously because they de- they debated over over single words in the Constitution. So it must have meaning. I would I would refer our listeners back to our shows with both sides of this argument. Dave, you got the Constitution out. Right. What do you want to read that to me? What you have yeah. right there? Okay, this, uh, this is, this is Ted Cruz's version. This of the is an Article Two, Section One. It's Article Two, Section One, which talks no, about the executive branch. Right. Okay. No person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution okay. shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have attained to the age of thirty-five years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. Now, here's what's interesting. That's a really odd conglomeration of, of facts. Now, the, most of them, of course, apply to those who were not natural-born citizens. You know, the whole idea of 14 years in the country, etc. Now, you could argue, as I assume Ted Cruz is arguing, that that 14-year modifier applies ad infinitum, and that you need not be born physically in the United States as long as you are a natural born citizen and have 14 years of physical presence or residence in the United States. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to read it. This is one of the reasons why, David, I love the Constitution. Because as clear as it is in some areas, it is really murky in others. Now, I think Ted Cruz is probably a citizen. I'm going to ask that question here in a second. But this is the whole goose gander thing, isn't it? It's the whole goose gander thing. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You want to whine about Obama being a citizen because his dad was a foreign national, regardless of where he was born? Clearly, Ted Cruz has the exact same issue. So let's look at this, David. Does 
somebody who is born out of the U.S. to a one singular U.S. citizen parent, and the other parent being what we call in the business, David, an alien. Okay, an alien is somebody who's not a U.S. citizen. Um, what are the requirements? Is it just, hey, my mom was a citizen, I'm a citizen. David, that is not the requirement. Is that not true? No, there, well, but there's more to it than that. Just because your mom is a citizen doesn't mean you're a citizen. There are other requirements. Now, the Constitution of the United States does not state who is a citizen. It does not state how to attain citizenship. One of the very first acts passed by Congress, not the first act, was called the Citizen, the Naturalization Act, which passed in 1790. And David, the publication of that act is actually in my office. I've, I've got it framed in my office because it's the most important and the very first immigration bill signed into law. And it said, here is what a citizen of the United States is. Well, since that time, because the Constitution left to Congress to decide who's a citizen, Congress has changed its mind over the years. And so there's actually a chart that you go through, and you, all, my, all my listeners can Google derivative U.S. citizenship chart. If you Google that, and there's lots of these charts out there you can look at. And the first thing you start with is what year... What is the birth date of the person you're seeking to classify as a citizen? So Ted Cruz was born. Do you know when he was born? I have no idea. 1970, which oh. makes him 44 uh, years old today, be 45 this year. David, uh, do we need, a, need another 44-year-old president? Okay, I'll leave that aside for a second, okay? Um, so, and we look, okay, were both his parents citizens? No. no. Was one citizen parent and one national parent? No. He had one citizen and one alien parent. Now, it's unclear. Was his dad a Canadian resident at the time? Was his dad a citizen? Because at some point his dad became a Canadian citizen. You knew that, right? Well, his, his dad at the time was a Cuban. He was a Cuban citizen for sure. All right. okay? But he wasn't a U.S. citizen. Now, so was he, his, did his mother have joint, or dual citizenship? Well, here's the question. That, that actually doesn't matter. Dual citizenship doesn't matter. So here's the question. Did his mother have physical presence in the United States for at least five years after she was born, two years of which were after the age of 14. So th that's the question. Was mom physically in the U.S. for five years after her birth in Delaware, two of which were after the age of 14? Now, I don't know when his mom moved to Canada. I have no idea. That has, this is the part the press keeps ignoring. This is the qualifier to determine whether you, in fact, are a U.S. citizen. Now, I'm going to guess, because Ted Cruz likely carries a U.S. passport, that he has proved to the satisfaction of the Department of State that his mom met what we call the residency requirements to transmit citizenship to him. But I've got people that come into my office all the time, David. Hey, my dad was a U.S. citizen. Great. Well, and I look at when were you born? When were they born? All right, when did your dad leave the country? Oh, when he was 12. Sorry. You don't qualify. You had to have two years before you were born inside the U.S. after they're 14 years old. So that's the piece of information we don't have. When did his mom move to Canada and have him up there? No, he had him up there in 1970. When did she move there? How old was she at the time she moved there? We don't have that information. Regardless of the fact that she may have become a Canadian citizen, that's irrelevant. Because you don't lose your U.S. citizenship by swearing allegiance to another country. You don't, David. 
you have to physically go through a process. So I, I want to talk about Ted Cruz first because I just feel cathartic in doing so. Let's come back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio for our next segment. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio's Immigration Hour. David, this is the second most popular show on America's Web Radio, is it not? That's it. That's it, which is Which is also longevity. Longevity. We've been a long time on here. Been a long time on here. One of the oldest shows that you have on here. And uh, But we had 328,103 downloads last year. Congratulations, David. By the way, there's other shows on America's Web Radio that you might be interested in. Um, or maybe you won't be interested in I don't know, but there's other good shows on here, and I would encourage you to go to americaswebradio.com and, and literally check them out. Uh, there's lots of good information out there, and it's good to hear what the other side is saying on occasion as well on this issue. Now, David, you don't have an anti-immigration show on here, so I'm, I'm really your only immigration show. But Oh, well, while you were gone, I meant to no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we've got well, Mark Krikorian coming on here from and, and podcasting from here. I'm sure they would have a much bigger leader of listenership if you had them on here. So, David, the, so we had the, the cruise thing come to a head, which I just find entertaining. I, you know, it's like, hey, uh, oddly enough, nobody's really attacked Rubio on this issue, although Mr. Mr. Christie has gone after Rubio big time on a lot of other issues. You hear what he said yesterday? The truant officer is looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> found that really funny. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Christie and uh, and Trump are a lot alike. You know that, right? Because they're both from the, the metropolitan area of New York. So there's a lot of New Yorkish stuff going on. Um, but really, last Saturday on the um, uh, on the third uh, of of, uh, of um, or the second of January, the Obama administration had announced on Christmas Eve that they were going to begin a process to deport the women and children who had come into the United States after January 1, 2013, who had deportation orders against them issued after January 1, 2014. And they started in Georgia and Texas, and they basically did what you would call a raid. 
So uh, this happened to one of our clients, uh, and here's interesting about our client. Ms. Let's call her Miss Morales. She'd come from Guatemala with three children, a 17-year-old daughter, a 16-year-old son, and a 9-year-old daughter. And she was fleeing Guatemala because of the violence in her country and gang recruitment of her children. Her case ultimately on asylum uh, was uh, denied, and the judge ordered her removed in May of 2014. But, uh, March of 2014, but we had take, then gone to ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, David, and said, hey, here she is. Um, it's really terrible back in, in Guatemala. Would you give her a one-year stay? Would you give her a one-year of what we call an order of supervision? And what did ICE do in March of 2014, David? They said yes. Well, actually, they issued the order in June. They said, okay, in June of 2014, we'll give you a, uh, 2015, we'll give you a year. Come back and see us in June of 2016. So she was under what's called an order of supervision, and she had a work permit. She was doing everything that ICE told her to do. Four o'clock in the morning, somebody knocks on her door. Hey, hey, this is where the police, hey, we're looking for this really dangerous guy, and they hold up this picture. They're shining uh, flashlights through the windows of the apartment. This picture of this really evil look. Hey, this guy's in, we think he came in your apartment. Would you let us in your apartment to search for this guy? They're like, no. I know your tricks. You're immigration. We're not going to let you in. And so ICE knocked for a couple hours. They sat outside the apartment for a couple hours. And about 8 o'clock in the morning, the kids needed to go to school. And so an uncle, who was a U.S. citizen, uh, took the kids outside to the school. And when he came back, there was nobody there. When he came back, ICE surrounded his car when he came back. He said, You're, we're going to prosecute you for obstruction of justice. You're not letting us in your apartment. Uh, you need to let us in your apartment. And he said, I'm not doing anything wrong. You have no, you have no warrant. You can't come in my apartment. Finally, they basically bullied him into opening the door. And into the apartment they went. And they arrested our client, along with her now 9-year-old daughter and her 17-year-old son. The girl, who was 17 when she came, is now 19, but she had a baby. So she had a newborn, basically. They didn't arrest her. They took the mom and the two children to Dilly, Texas, that horrible family prison run by the Obama administration through our friends at the Corrections Corporation of America, and said, we're going to deport you tomorrow. You're going back to Guatemala. This is for a woman who was actually living under ICE's permission in the U.S. So she wasn't a threat to the community. She wasn't running away. They knew exactly where she was. And they did these types of raids to similar types of people all over Georgia and Texas. And they netted, so they did all this effort. They probably put hundreds of thousands of dollars. They show up with, you know, 12 guys and five cars and, you know, the big paddy wagon. They said, oh, we detained 121 persons, is what they use. They use the word persons. Really, they detained about 40 adults and about 70 children, almost 80 children, and put them in the detention center in Texas. Now it gets better. At Dilly... There is a wonderful organization called CARA, C-A-R-A, which basically provides pro bono representation to these people. CARA was able to get stays. 
That is, hey, ICE, you can't deport this person for a good chunk of these people. And so while some were physically deported to Guatemala or El Salvador, well, not El Salvador because they refused to issue travel documents, most are still just in Texas. And now we're, you know, it's funny, in a tragic way, because now we're just going to get her out again while the stay is pending. So she's not in a prison. I mean, this this game that the Obama administration plays on this issue, and, and they said they were going to keep doing this, and they got such bad press, such vitriolic opposition from both Republicans and Democrats on this issue that they haven't done another raid in the last week. Now, what this did, though, David, is this caused a massive, massive amount of panic in the, in the immigrant communities. Can you imagine? ICE is now hunting down women and children, knocking on door at 4 o'clock. So here's what's interesting today. Because of these raids, where they, were only, they weren't going to arrest anybody with old deportation orders, so their priorities are you have a felony, a significant misdemeanor, which includes a DUI, or you just a regular guy and have an order of deportation after January 1, 2014. You're a priority. We're going to deport you. Anybody else who just happens to be undocumented? No. You're like the fish that's too small. We throw you back in the ocean. But people don't realize. They thought, they thought literally ICE was beginning to effectuate the Donald Trump plan of deporting everybody. People went Facebook. I was in, I was um, uh, just gotten back from uh, South Africa and was literally waiting the birth of my granddaughter in Utah when this exploded on the social networks. Facebook went crazy. But here is a direct consequence of that happening. Here's what Obama did when he did this. First, now every immigrant in the country knows their constitutional rights. Do you have to open the door if they don't have a warrant? Absolutely not. If they say they have a warrant, have them slide under the door or send it to you by phone so that you can see it. Because ICE has these things called administrative warrants that aren't real warrants. You're like, you, David, you could literally type up an administrative warrant. has no force and effect of law. It's designed to arrest. Hey, we want, basically, it's, it's like an all-points bulletin. Hey, we want this person. An APB. That's what it's like. They never, ever get real warrants issued by a real judge. They just don't. Whether it's because they're lazy or they don't have time or it's just too hard, I don't know. But they never have a warrant. So the whole community now knows if somebody knocks on your door at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I've been saying this for years too, and you don't smell smoke, you shouldn't open the door. Okay? So now they're knocking on the door. Now what else happens? Will the immigrant community trust the police? No. If the police really are looking for a bad guy, is the immigrant community going to cooperate? No. Because now... The police, ICE, because they show up with these badges, right? Police, ICE. Well, they're not really police. They're just ICE. They're enforcement agents for immigration. <laughs> Civil enforcement agents. So now you have a lessening cooperation with the police. So this is a, it is a once again, a massive failure of the Obama administration. Who gave the order? Uh, Zoe Zaldana, who is the new, and get this. She's the new head of ICE, a former immigration lawyer, apparently an Obama acolyte, because who would want the job of, of ICE director the last year that Obama's president? She gave the order to do this. And I'm waiting for somebody in Congress to call her in to explain her actions. 
you know, I'm surprised Jeff Sessions hasn't called her in just to congratulate her. And I'd love to hear the cross-examination of that. You know, why didn't you just call these, you know, what they, if, if we had gotten a call from ICE and said, hey, look, I know we told you until June, but, you know, we got this enforcement priorities. She's got an order. Would you, you know, can you bring her in? You know what we would have done, David? We brought her in. Okay, well, here it is. You know, we told you, ma'am. You know, she was, she would have been okay with that. They would have dealt with it. But to show up and terrorize children. Think about this. A nine-year-old. How does a nine-year-old who went through the trauma of walking from Guatemala to the U.S., likely saw untold horrors, and whatever the hell happened in Guatemala that got him up here, to now experience that in the U.S.? This is just, it's just wrong. It's, it's law enforcement run amok. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámalos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio on, uh, well, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Dan, I got that backwards. I need to get my stroke going again. It's been a while. (laughs) Uh, Dave and I were just talking about our newest grandchildren. Uh, my newest granddaughter, number three, was born to my beautiful little girl uh, in Utah on the 3rd of uh, January at uh, 11.15, 11.18 at night. My wife and I had the honor and privilege of being there that night. Uh, so it's, i got to tell you, being a grandfather, David, is way better than being a parent. <laughs> it's way more fun. You can leave. You can leave. And you say, uh, the baby smells. And you just hand the baby back over and you go, thank you very much. Um, um, I just think that, um, you know, to see this new generation. Now I've got three granddaughters. My three oldest children now have one child apiece and they're little girls. And it's fun to watch your kids become parents. It's, it's fun to watch that change in them <laughs> as they interact with their kids. You go, is this the same doofus who is my kid? I mean, it's just amazing to see, see that huge difference such a huge difference. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, so, David, I want to go back to immigration now that we're on the immigration hour. Now that we get to the, Since there's no garden report right now, it's definitely a, a grandchild report. Um, this whole idea of the raids, you said something very interesting offline. 
How do you explain these raids, David? Follow money. the money. Follow the money. So why all of a sudden, what what crawled into Obama's butt and died that made him want to deport women and children? Now, first of all, David, you have to understand the crisis on the border where we had over the last couple of years about 120,000 women and children come in uh, is continuing. I mean, it's still more people are coming in. Despite the fact that we have given Mexico like a billion dollars to interdict, to intercept people on their southern border, people are still getting through. And understandably, very small percentages of these people are Mexican. The vast majority come from that northern triangle of Central America, Nicaragua, El Salvador, uh, Honduras, and Guatemala. Actually, not Nicaragua, but Honduras, Salvador, and Guatemala. Because they, those countries are effectively, in many ways, failed states. Uh, organized crime, call them gangs, call them whatever you want. Organized crime has literally taken over. It, it, you know, I, I imagine what it might have been like in New York in the 20s or Chicago in the 20s and Capone is running things. Uh, the government at this point is just not strong enough or if they're strong enough, they're not willing enough to go in and deal with this. You know, those countries don't have the death penalty. The death penalty down there. And they do unspeakable things to women. Women in these countries, frequently raped, uh, abused, treated like uh, a chattel. Uh, it's a terrible situation for young women and, and older women in, the, in these three countries. Uh, it's a, it's a, it seems to be a cultural, a new cultural dynamic developing there. Uh, for example, Guatemala has, been, has a long history of being domestic violence. But this is where young men in, are mistreating young women in ways that, that really would turn your stomach. And yet the Obama administration is doing nothing to help those countries change, but instead just giving Mexico a billion dollars to say, you know, fix this problem at your border. We don't want to see these people anymore. So Obama sees these people continuing to come in. Now, when is the biggest influx of people, David? Usually it's in the summer. You know, when school gets out. People, we, get, we can't take this anymore. We're going to get out. So starting in about April, going through May, August, through June, July, August, September, that's the big push. Well, there was a big push in January, November, and December, too. There was a lot of people coming in. Um, three, four, five thousand people a month were coming in. So they're very, very concerned that these numbers... So they want to send a message. Hey, look, you're going to come in? Yeah, you might be here for a year or two, but we're going to deport your butt. And here are the women and children. We're not afraid to deport women. That, so he was, one, trying to send the message to people, don't come if we will ultimately deport you. Two, if this big influx is in the summertime and it happens a third year in a row, what is happening this summer, David? It's the election. I mean, people start paying attention. Wait, Obama's letting people, oh my God, the border's unsecure. Oh my God, we've got to put a Republican in the White House who's going to build a big, beautiful golden wall and have Mexico pay for it. So Obama does this now because he is afraid of the political fallout on the Democratic candidate carrying the blame that Obama didn't enforce the border, when in fact he's enforced it more than any other president, by far. And he can only enforce it as much as Congress gives him money to enforcement. I mean, it's Congress that enforces the border, not, not the administration. So that's number two reason. And number three, man, this, this Dilly prison is emptying out because a federal court judge ordered this prison and ICE generally 
to not hold women and children longer than 21 days from when they are caught. They either must carry out the entire hearing process or release them on bond within 21 days. So there is a real, I mean, there's three reasons brewing here, I mean, all of which boil down to money and or politics, none of which boil down to the safety and security of either the United States or the people seeking refuge here. Now, we're not Jordan. We don't have 4 million Syrians in our country. We're talking, and we don't have only 13 million people. I mean, think about this. The percentage-wise, we'd have to take in 90 million refugees for there to be the impact that Jordan is going through with refugees. So I have no problem allowing a refugee to come here from Central America uh, to seek temporary refuge in the United States. The other thing is the Obama administration has refused to recognize the dangers that these countries are. Now, there's a program, David, called TPS, Temporary Protected Status, that exists when there is either um, natural disasters, uh, societal upheavals, political revolution in countries that says, hey, if you're in the U.S. from those countries right now, we will not deport you. So he could create TPS for new arrivals from El Salvador, from Honduras, from Guatemala, and say, look, we're not going to deport you. We're not going to give you any legal status. We're not going to give you a green card. But we're going to give you protection until things change in your country. Now, Dave, we did this for Liberia. I remember Liberia back in the 1980s, uh, late early 90s, was a nightmare. Civil war, I mean, just crazy stuff. And then, in the mid-2000s, things got better. We interceded, we used the U.N., Things improved. And so we canceled TPS. And Liberians began to go back. Now, unfortunately, they'd been here for like 15 years. And once you've been here for 15 years, you don't really want to go back. People went back. So the system can work. And as of yesterday, some Democrats and Republicans, mostly Miami Republicans, have called for the president to issue temporary protected status. But, David, is that going to happen in the middle of an election? Not a chance. Not a chance is that going to happen. Let me ask you something. You mentioned the term legal status. Right. Okay. You know my love for attorney, president, company excluded. Right. Um, was this lady that they the knock on the door and then she was she was basically imprisoned and sent to Texas? Mm-hmm. Does she have any rights at all? Well, yeah. I mean, she has. I mean, she has a limited amount of due process rights. All right. Well, beyond limited. due process. Uh, not once she's in their custody. The reason, no. I, the reason that I ask, she is has custody. She could not open the door. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, you said that she had legal status, or she had a legal right to be here. She was. You had she, given. She had. She was not unlawfully present. Right. Okay. Because I said, "Don't go. We're going to give you. You report back to us in a year. We'll see how you're doing. Here's a work permit while you're waiting. You're going to be deported eventually, but right now you're okay." So it wasn't so, lawful status. She didn't have legal status in the country. But so she wasn't unlawful is, either. Where, where's the, the am, ambulance-chasing attorneys that can say, okay, this, lady, this lady's been mistreated. Let's sue the government. Unfortunately, David, uh, suing the federal government is not like suing a car company. Uh, you'd have to bring what's called a Bivens action. Bivens is the name of a Supreme Court case. It says, what are the conditions under which you can sue a federal, a federal officer? You can't ever sue the U.S. government for damages. 
they, they have not waived. So, it's called sovereign immunity. It's the same issue we have in the driver's license case, right? I mean, in the, in, the, in the tuition case, they haven't waived sovereign immunity. But uh, the Bivens allows you to go after individual officers who have intentionally violated your rights. Those are very, very difficult cases to win, David. Very difficult cases to win. Especially when they were ordered to do something. Well, yeah, they were just acting under orders here from, from, from La Jefa. So at the end of the day, it's not something that's really going to you know, help, help them out. They're not going to be able to sue for damages. And really, these people don't want to sue for damages. They, they just want one thing. Just let me stay a little bit longer. Let, let, me, let me be safe. Let me not be afraid of my kid getting killed every day he walks outside the house. David, I, I met up with somebody yesterday who has just gotten here uh, with a visa from uh, Guatemala. And the story they told me didn't make you poop your pants if it was you. you. You do not, we Americans, we do not understand the terror, the absolute terror under which some of these people live in our own backyard. In our own backyard. Now, maybe we could send Sean Penn down there. He could fix the problem. Uh, but, uh, oh, Sean Penn, oh, my gosh. Um, so this whole idea of Obama, you know, being the immigrant's friend, I heard, I heard one of his spokes, oh, yeah, for seven years Obama's been on the side of the immigrant. You mean the side kicking him out? Is that, of course, really it's only a year ago you actually did almost anything and only three and a half years ago, you were forced to do something for kids. So basically, you've done jack squat as president for immigrants. Where, where other than deport two and a half million of them. Where is the uh, national media on this? Why, why isn't this on the air? Oh, no, David, it's been on the air. I mean, you probably sh- you, you complain about the national media, but you don't really watch ABC. You don't really watch CNN. I was I, actually I, on I, CNN on this issue. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's been on the national press. It's just that... Like everything else, David, it's a news cycle. It's not hot. It was hot for a few days, then the next thing is hot. Uh, and they're all about ratings and all about... They're not going to keep reporting an issue. David, on the Internet, there's jillions of stuff about this in all kinds of media. But the mainstream media, if you're referring to Fox, Fox didn't cover this issue. Fox News. Fox Latino covered the issue. I just find those two very, very fascinating. Hmm. Uh, one thing for one audience one for another. Um, and so uh, this whole idea of, um, uh, of deporting people, about being somebody's friend on immigration, it's just not true. Obama has been as bad as Bill Clinton on immigration. And Bill Clinton signed the worst immigration bill in our history in 1996. So the you know, it's it to me is something that is crazy butt, crazy butt, crazy butt stuff from the Obama administration. David, let's take a quick break now. We'll come back for our final segment because I want to talk about something that's come out from the Obama administration on New Year's Eve, much like Christmas Eve. We're going to deport everybody. A new proposed reg, but this proposed reg has issues. Let's talk about those issues when we come back. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet www.immigration.net. 
Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, it, again, it's, it's great to be back finally uh, here in the United States and back with you on, on the show. And not only did Obama raid and arrest little children on uh, a couple days after Christmas, um, but uh, on New Year's Eve... Uh, the Department of Homeland Security's USCIS published a long-awaited regulation covering employment-based green card processing. In November of last year, when Obama went on national TV on my 30th anniversary and uh, talked about all these wonderful things he was going to do and then did one of them, or maybe two, and didn't do the other 11 things, people were wondering, well, I guess he just lied again. Well, finally, at at 181 pages, this proposed regulation comes out that is going to impact a huge percentage of the country's skilled workers and potentially millions of others that might apply for an employment card. Now, USCIS said this, okay? Uh, The regulation itself, generally speaking, is disappointing. It is not progressive. It is not forward-looking. It is not in any way as useful as it could be, uh, and it reeks of bureaucratic incompetence and bureaucratic minimalization of issues. And let's just, just go from there. So USCIS says, here's what they're going to do. This, they have three goals, right? They're going to improve the process for U.S. employers sponsoring and retaining immigrant and non-immigrant workers. They're going to provide greater stability and job flexibility for those immigrant workers and increase transparency and consistency in the application of agency policy. You know, when I see that, David, you know what comes to mind is this scene from um, Animal House. <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, Otter is defending the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the fraternity from a, an expulsion from uh, Greek Row. And everybody in there, uh, as the dean starts talking, <coughs> we all know what he was saying. And that's what it seems like to me. It's like, you know, I don't believe any of this. I don't believe this is any of this. So one of the most significant changes they're going to be making right now, David, under the law, the USCIS has 90 days in which to issue a work permit when somebody applies, that's qualified. Okay, 90 days to issue it. Now, the reason for that is quite simple, right? Let's say I'm working on a work permit. I fly my, if I don't have my work permit, I can't keep working. 
So, I mean, it's major economic issues for individually and businesses and nationally, they don't do it. Unfortunately, they don't always do it, whether it's incompetence or whatever. So what this new rule does is that it eliminates the 90-day time limit that USCIS has to adjudicate these cases, quote, in light of national security and fraud concerns, quote, a close quote. Um, but by doing this, what they're saying is, okay, we're going to give you an automatic extension of your employment card until we make a decision. Okay, until we make it, so you're going to be automatic. So in the past, that wasn't the case. If you didn't have your physical card, you had to stop working. That's going to change. That's a good change. That's a good change. But here's David, where the problem is. How are you going to get a driver's license? DDS in Georgia won't issue a driver's license without card. So yeah, you might be able to work, but how are you going to get there? It's it again very short-sighted, very um, um, uh, self-focused. Oh, fraud and security. How how much national security and fraud is there in a work permit for somebody who's had one for three years? I mean, why are you taking longer than a week to issue it? I can walk in and get my driver's license, which also has national security and fraud concerns, and get that in 20 minutes. So what's the concern here? I mean, that, that's, what, that's what really bothers me about a lot of this stuff with, with this agency, is they see themselves different from state agencies or other government agencies that turn around things in a much faster timeline as if they're special. As, oh, we can take a lot longer. Oh, you know, we can take so long that we'll offer you the ability to pay us extra money to do it faster. Well, that's, when I went to law school, that's called extortion. <laughs> when you promise to do something, don't do it timely, and then you pay me extra money to do it. Well, you pay me a little bit extra, you know, how many to do that? There you go. Thousand, you know, thousand, twelve hundred twenty-five dollars That's just crazy. So, a couple other things here that are, that are good. Priority dates. When somebody gets in line, David, you and I know, we've talked about this before, there's lots of waiting lines. You know, the line that's out there, the line. To get in line, you get what's called a priority date. The day you begin your application, you file it. That's your priority date. But you can lose those dates. So they're going to make a reg change that says the priority date will be available as long as the initial immigrant petition was approved and the approval has not been revoked for fraud. All right. So if an employer withdraws it, you still get to keep that priority date. Well, that's not really necessarily a change. Kind of been the law. You still got to get an underlying petition. One major change is grace periods. I hear this all the time. People come in and say, oh, I had an H-1B, but I got fired. How long do I have to leave the United States? Today? When did you get fired? Yesterday. You should leave today. Well, what's my grace period? There, there is no grace period. You, need, you have no status. The day you were fired is the day you lost your status. You're out of luck. Well, it's not fair. Uh, don't disagree. Don't blame me. I didn't write the law. I'm just telling you what the law is. You have no grace period. So they're going to create a 60-day grace period for a variety of, uh, of non-immigrant visa types from uh, H's, L's, E's, TN's. Uh, you can't work during the grace period. Um, and, and you get this, DHS may in its discretion eliminate or shorten the period on a case-by-case basis. Oh, come on, really? Really? This is what I love about immigration and what I hate about immigration at the same time. They literally just make stuff up. There's not a word for stuff. MSU. 
to just make stuff up. Just literally, like somebody pulled it out of their butts. Hey, I thought of this last night. Oh, sure, let's make that the law. That's a great idea. Should we think about it? No. No, don't think about it. We'd have to We'd have to exercise a brain cell. It might burn a brain cell. No, don't think about that. Now, uh, if you have a... Um, 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 a need to work, but there is like a spouse. You have an E3. They propose that E3, H1Bs, Os, and Ls apply for a separate employment authorization if there's compelling circumstances to work outside your work. So Es, Hs, Ls, Os are all uh, limited to who they can work for to the petitioner. So these are basically saying, hey, you can apply for a work permit and work somewhere else too. Under compelling circumstances, what what could be compelling? Not defined. Thank you very much. Um, under uh, the uh, these rules are really frustrating. They're frustrating. My friend Greg Siskin wrote a great blog on this, uh, which you can find uh, at uh, ilw.com blog.ilw.com. Uh, the Siskin summary. He, he wrote a great summary about this. We need to get Greg on the show to talk about a lot of these issues. But this is really nutty. It's, it's, it's so much less than what we wanted. So much less than what we wanted. And so much less than what they could have done. Uh, that, it, that it's yet another disappointment in the Obama I'm an advocate for immigra- immigrants category. Uh, this this guy would really go down in history as one of the worst presidents for immigrants in American history. And I know Republicans all think that he's letting people on the border and he's, he's wide open and blah, blah, blah. He has been terrible on immigrants, particularly if judged in light of his promises. So if we judge presidents in light of their promises, this dude is an utter and complete failure. An utter and complete failure. Yeah, but name something that he's done well. You know, there was that post office they were going to name after me and didn't do that, and I think <laughs> that's probably a good idea. Um, other than that, you know, David, I am glad that we have some sort of discussion and debate on national health care because I don't think anybody should be without the ability to get health care that's not in the emergency room. So I'm, but I'm not going to call the Obamacare system a complete success, but I'm glad the discussion occurred because it needed to occur. It needed to occur. Um, but is there a better option out there? Absolutely. On the issue, well, he did get us out of Iraq, which then led to the collapse of Iraq and you know beginning of ISIS, which really can be blamed on both Bush and Obama. But Bush, had, oh, he he saved Syria for Assad because he didn't go in and stop Assad, so he just, ah, that didn't work out. Right, so yeah, there's a red line in the sand. Yeah, there's a red line, yeah, the red line didn't work out so well. Hey, he got Iran to get rid of all their nuclear material. Mm-hmm. Except for that stuff they're keeping for yeah, research purposes. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, there is. Um, there's got to be something, David. Come on, there's, give me give me some help here. There's got to be something. There's well, he tested out Air Force One a number of times going to Hawaii. Yeah, but everybody, every president. I'm, I'm not gonna, ever going to give a president slack for using Air Force One and going to vacation. They all do it. They all have to do it. I don't have any problem with that. If I was from Hawaii, I'd go there every freaking year too. I don't have no problem with 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 Hawaii. Uh, and, and he spent way less time on vacation than Bush did, so I don't have any problem with it. Or Reagan. I don't have any problem with that. Clinton hardly ever went on vacation because he had no place to go. He had no house. Um, <laughs> well, his girlfriend. So what else did he do? Well, I'm, 
Oh, he deported two and a half million people. Oh, that's not really an accomplishment. He destroyed the uh, the lunch program at schools. I don't think they destroyed it. I just think they made it different. Kids Everybody won't puts eat. Their mark. Kids, kids won't eat. eat. Kids will eat anything. Frankly, kids eat too much crap anyway. I don't have any problem <laughs> making them eat vegetables. They'll be fine. The skinnier, the better. I mean, you know, kids walk around roll roly poly. Um, so, wow, this. So, I would encourage anybody who's interested in this rule go to Greg Siskin's blog. Greg did a great job. No reason for me to blog on this. I mean, Greg did a great job going through this whole thing. And we'll see the comments. The Alliance of Business Immigration Lawyers will write a comment on this. The Alliance of Business Immigration Lawyers, of which I'm the former president and still currently a member, led by Abel Sharon Melman, just finished our draft uh, I-9 comment. David, you know what the I-9 is. The I-9 form every employee in America fills out. They're about to change that again, David, and to make it accessible online. So instead of you printing out a piece of paper... You can do it online. And they have turned what was used to be, David, a one-page form with one page of instructions that then became a two-page form with six pages of instructions into a (laughs) multi-screen form with 15 pages of instructions plus an employer handbook on how to fill it out that's over 70 pages for what really is verifying your front. Why can't you as an employer... Go online, put the information your employee in, have it verified, and be done. Why are you filling out any paperwork at all? That's my question. This system is so not ready for prime time that employers are going to scream bloody murder when they're forced to use it. Well, David, it's been a great week. I'm looking that's forward that's to called a government, though, isn't it? You know, but David, it's not. I mean, the IRS forms are, are remodeled all the time, and they work. So security models forms, they work. A lot of government agencies remodel their forms, and they work. The USCIS is plagued with a level of incompetence that is almost unequaled in federal government history. That's a great note to end on. This is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We'll see you next week. Until then, be safe. and don't You're be listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.